right, man. Here we are. Back again. Back again. It's been a while. It's only been a couple of weeks. I think it's been more than a couple of weeks. <laughs> Did we intend to take a break for that long? Let's just go with yes. <laughs> the truth. The truth is yeah. probably a little sadder than than that. Yeah, we were doing really good for for like what a month doing, or maybe even longer than that, doing like every other every other week. Yeah, we were good. So we, I think, have put up five episodes, and this would be episode six of season two. Something like that. Yeah. And so if we did five episodes every other week, that's 10 weeks. Boom. So for two and a half months, we were on point. Nice. What happened? Well, let's keep it up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, travels. Travels. We both uh, had some interesting, interesting affairs. Well, I want to just say next time, next season, whenever this sort of travels, let's just nip it in the bud and say, all right, we'll see you guys in two months. Because I think you and I both periodically throughout the the break we were like, are we recording or are we not? Are we yeah, recording? Yeah, or are we not? Turns out, yeah. Well, there's there's also the question <laughs> we <were not>. of <laughs> we were not. There's also the question of episodes out of time. Ooh. Is that a possibility? Yeah, I think recording any episode would be <laughs> better than not recording an episode. Well, regardless, um, the past is in the past. That's right. We are back. We are back. But speaking of the past, mm-hmm. well, why why was it so difficult for us to record? What was going on? Well, I don't know about you, but I was traveling up a storm. Yeah. Um, I was... Literally. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, it was bad. So we both traveled a bunch this break. Um, and by break, we mean Christmas break because we were both students. And so we were both off after finals. And after finals, we both went to different places. So where did you go? Tell me your, your itinerary at least. Well, I stayed in the Bay area for Christmas working at the parish. I think I mentioned that it's been so long now. I think I mentioned that last episode that there were some unforeseen circumstances that required me to stay, to stay home, Mm -hmm. Um, which I took it, you know, as just practice for the future being at at the parish. Oh, that's right. That's right. For major holidays. And it was great. I loved it. Um, being with people, serving at mass. Uh, it was really cool. But after Christmas, I began, I began the treacherous flight to South Louisiana. That's right. Cause you and I had a conference together that we have annually in Southern Louisiana. Yeah. yeah. And I was hoping that my 10th and final one would be a pleasant <laughs> experience. One that I just kind of waltzed into enjoyed Mm -hmm. and left behind so you did enjoy it and you did leave it behind i did enjoy it and i did leave it behind (laughs) but it was anything anything but easy to get to at least to get to and to get from that's true to leave that's true so it was almost as if difficulties leaving as well (laughs) yeah it was almost as if you were not wanted at in southern louisiana it's yeah it was kind of like that you know i so Here's here's how this whole thing began. Okay. It's kind of a pain in the butt to leave the Bay Area. Oh. Um, I don't know if you knew this. Well, I do know that yeah. many people from the Bay Area don't like to leave it. <laughs> that's true. That's part of it, I think. Uh, <laughs> so they don't make it easy for people. All, that's right. The Getting to San Francisco Airport is not easy. Because you're coming it's from... Away. You're coming from Berkeley? Yeah, the East Bay. You know, it's it's not... 
it's only like 10 miles away. <laughs> okay. But you've got a bay in the middle. Mm. And so these really tight um, bottleneck bridges that make traffic unbearable right. for most of the day. Yeah, the Bay Bridge, right? The Bay Bridge. And there's another one just south south of the Bay Bridge. I don't know what it's called. Um, but they're both terrible to get through. So it takes, you know, a solid hour to get to. Oof, an hour for 10 each miles. Each way. Each way, yeah. Uh, and it's also depending on the traffic, so it could take even more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I leave the house at 5.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. To get there, I had like an 8 o'clock flight, so I just wanted to get there with plenty of time uh, to get in, to get there, to get in, to get through security, etc. Okay. So I get my flight and I tr- had a transfer in Dallas. You know, I typically don't like to transfer. I like to go nonstop if possible. Sure. For this very reason. Usually, in years gone by, an hour, uh, just over an hour, has been plenty of time to make a transfer. Right. You know, Dallas is a big airport, but it's easy to get around. So it's not that big. It's not that big of a stretch. Right. And you're not making a journey out of security. You're in the terminal. Right. You're just right. going to be going from gate to gate. Right. However, this time, the weather was such that we lost about an hour in the air. Whoa. And so by the time we landed, my flight had left, you know, 30 minutes before. Oh, no. So that connection was gone before I even got off the flight. Hmm. Okay. So trouble part two. Lafayette Regional Airport is not a big place, as we both know. That's right. Wait, but how did you get to Grand Coteau then? Are we jumping to the end? No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold your horses. All right. So there are only two flights to Lafayette Regional oh. per day out of DFW. <laughs> I missed the first one. Lafayette. The next one wasn't until Regional 10 Airport. 30 p.m. <laughs> uh. So I arrive at DFW at 2 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And my next flight isn't for another seven hours. Oof. <laughs> so fortunately, Dallas is not the worst place to be stranded. A lot of friends, mm-hmm. a lot of contacts there. Okay. So I go out for dinner, leave security, come back in, meet up with a couple of other guys that are on the same flight. Okay. Next flight rolls around. Well, delays. Delay, delay, delay. Weather is terrible. It's raining, storming. Wait a minute. Your, your, One, your 1030 was getting delayed? Yo, yeah. 1 a.m. rolls around and they finally cancel the flight. No way. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't think I knew this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was bad. So you were you were slated to be on a 10.30 p.m. flight out of Dallas and you got delayed, yeah. delayed, delayed until 1 a.m. when it got canceled. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. So this puts a little bit of context into uh, jumping way ahead to our exit from Lafayette. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, so... So it gets canceled at 1, 1 a.m. We rush over to rent a car along with everybody else who's been strung along the entire day. Because I wasn't unique here. Everybody was getting canceled. Everybody was being delayed. Sure. Everybody was rushing over to the rental car. There's only like two two stores open. You know, this huge rental car depot has has Enterprise and Avis. Everything. And like national. Mm -hmm. Well, and those are the only three stores that are actually open. Oh, okay. And so you've got lines 
literally wrapping around the entire building to get cars from these, these three companies. Yeah. And so it was just a mess. And we spend hours there as well. Um, fortunately, because this was such a slow process, we were able to do, we did something that might have not been uh, very safe. <laughs> so we rented the car and just drove straight through. Wow. But guys were napping here and there and, and the adrenaline of the whole thing. It, but by the grace of God, it all worked out. So wait a minute. So you, what time did you get the car? What time did you finally? We left about three o'clock. Oh, just hearing that is painful. Yeah. And so then you made yeah. a, you left at three and then had how long of a drive? Well, it was a little longer than usual, which is about six, six-ish hours. Because of, again, the storms that we were facing. Oh, in the sure, airport. sure. We had to pull over at one point right outside of Opelousas. So we're almost there and we get hit by a tornado watch. Wow. <laughs> so we pulled over and waited that out a little bit, hmm. uh, which was, I mean, it's not a bad thing to get a little bit of rest after a long drive and then got there and just crashed that whole day. Wow. Wow. Uh, Wait, so you, you arrived finally in Southern Louisiana around 10 a.m. Yeah, about that. That sounds Maybe terrible. <laughs> that sounds like... It was a miserable trip. Yeah. But the alternative was just waiting indefinitely for flights that may or may not happen. Wow. Yeah. So did you at least get to use a sweet car? <laughs> yeah, we got like a Dodge Challenger. Like this <laughs> cherry red sports because it was the only thing that was left. <laughs> oh, you got three Jesuits in a car. It's like a sports car. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It was kind of embarrassing to drive around. Yeah. Yeah. But it must have been really anyway, it must have been, We made it. We made it. That's good. But then that's not the end of the story because It's not. That's true. So at, at this point Well, and many other people had very similar stories yeah. trying to get there. Yeah, I do find a it very. Other guys got stranded in St. Louis, sure, and had to drive, basically do the same thing that we did from St. Louis. I must say, this was drive. this was my own, like, because at the end of the story, when you and I were both leaving Louisiana, we had a similar experience to your trip from Dallas. And I got to say, this is my first experience ever having a flight canceled on me. And yeah, it's me too. It's really <laughs> odd how everything, like, I, I get that flights can be canceled. But how incredibly powerless the whole yeah. like infrastructure is. The whole infrastructure yeah. just crumbles when there's a yep. storm. Like there's very little contingency plans. So like for me to like for example, you and I were leaving Louisiana, and when we were leaving Louisiana, there was this huge fog over the regional airport, which only flies to three different places. And we were trying to fly to Houston to make a connection to Florida. But the flight to Houston and the flight to Atlanta and the flight to Dallas, all three of them eventually got canceled and you were smart to like keep refreshing the you know the, the, because of that first experience because of the first experience and so we rushed down and got a car but what was strange it's that like as soon as they said flight is canceled it wasn't like you know here's the backup plan it was and good luck <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you know that's right. flight canceled there it is good luck and so everyone rushes like in plane trains and automobile fashion like everyone just rushes yeah. to get a car oh i felt like i was inside of that movie yeah i <laughs> i felt it a little bit at the end of this the 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 trip as well so what was your experience of that in in so you, you yeah you, you explained it a little bit kind of what happened being stuck in Lafayette and then well because i knew that our, you you had flights canceled because i knew that you had gone through something similar prior to this i 
was and and we were with some guys who were going to have their their flight canceled as well. Um, I was ready to just call it way before the flight even got canceled because they started making yeah. delays and I started feeling a little bit like this is going to be inevitable. And so yep. I was like, why don't we just leave and get this underway? Because the flight out of Houston, we can make it if we just drive now. So well, because we d- we got on the later one. Right. We changed our connection flight to a later one so that we could make the drive to Houston and then fly, which all ended up working out well. But I just found I found the drive fine because driving to Houston is always glorious because it's a great place. Um, <laughs> but there's just something about the whole thing. Like you're at the like you've paid all of this money and not only have you paid the money, but now you're at the mercy of the weather, which is in nobody's control. But these companies that basically just say, well, you've paid us all this money and we have one flight for you. And if that doesn't go through, well, I guess go find somewhere to stay <laughs> in this city that you're not from. I don't know. I just find yeah. it a little like there's yeah. there's no backup plan. There's no like fleet of taxis that they have on call that they could just say, come pick right. up all of our you know customers and take them to our designated emergency hotel block that we have on retainer all the time. I don't know. Maybe it's a little ridiculous to ask, but I just, I just, yeah. I just feel like there's a lot depending on the weather. And if, yep. if, if we don't have backup plans, then we're going to be disappointed pretty often. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's fortunate that we're in a situation where we could just at the drop of a hat, go rent a car mm-hmm. and drive. Yeah, no, that was good. That was good. It was a good learning experience. I, I must say, I am glad that I did it with you. And as opposed to by myself. Um, yeah, being by myself would have been miserable. Yeah, because at that point, I, don't, I spiral. I don't know what I would have done. Yeah, I would have just froze. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. No, but so other than that, talk to me about your break. What was the highlight of your, your last month or so? Uh, there was holidays there, family, friends. Yeah, well, our trip to Tampa was incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I can't speak for you, but I thought it was a great time not only to visit somewhere that I'd never been. Or to visit a friend that I haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to hang out with the two of you. It was just a really good, like a little vacation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, time to gather, to pray, um, and to recreate. So I have... Just a, enjoy your... Yeah, time. I actually have a question for you about the trip. Uh, to see Tell me. To see if you can uh, maybe shed some light on... So, okay, for those who don't know, this is... We went to Tampa because there's one of our schools is there, right? So our school... Jesuit High School in Tampa, and they just underwent a huge building project that um, is massive, a massive building yeah. project. Um, and I want to know, Jonathan. So, like, what was your experience of that? Because I, I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised to say if people thought that it was a very controversial construction project. Um, <laughs> because so, if people don't know, so the the school invested a lot of money in building a brand new what's called a chapel but <laughs> it's a church but it's a huge church uh in the middle of campus yeah. and i want to know what you think about it because i have some thoughts yeah what was your impression of it you know, in terms of like the aesthetic the size the magnitude but also looking behind it where i'm also more interested perhaps in terms of like how did you feel about the school making that kind of investment what was your impression of all that you know, I mean, so my first reaction was, holy crap, this is amazing mm-hmm. to have this giant church right in the middle of a, of a high school campus. Mm-hmm. Epic. 
And the artwork in there is phenomenal. Top rate. Um, really, really, really good. Uh, you know, but then you start to think about, yeah, this is a lot, a lot of money, and it's going to be a lot of upkeep, um, that kind of thing. But, you know, I get, I start to think about this, not just with our schools, but with, you know, the church and the arts in general. A lot of this is paid for by the faithful, by people that are craving something beautiful. Mm. And I think we forget that sometimes, you know, that these are just coming out of the massive coffers of, of the church or of the Jesuits, and it's going into buildings instead of care for the poor. Hmm. But I don't think that that's actually what happens. How do you see it? Because, well, I mean, yeah, the president and the development team does a lot of fundraising. And so they're asking people to pay for this instead of other things. Um, so, okay, maybe they could. I don't know. I don't want to really get into that. But the fact of the matter is the money for that was raised by people. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just the church said, oh, we're going to build a church. Here it is. Right, right. Yeah. And Father Hermes had a plan and he proposed it and he got funding. Right, right. So it shows a desire from some some people, at least, uh, that this is something important mm -hmm. that we need to invest in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I so I I started thinking about the building um, when we were there because it was impressive, like a massive building in the middle of campus, and I couldn't help but think about how, in my experience of other schools. This is just so different in terms of priority that, and yeah. precisely to your point in terms of fundraising is that it seemed like this was coming from the, the people who were alumni or were parents that were wanting to support this project. Like there was a desire to invest in the spiritual and liturgical life of the school. And it wasn't just, you know, some president with some idea who wanted to do something because he liked it. It was. Right. He thinks this is a priority and the people think that it's worth investing in. And so here it is. And I was so impressed because you could see it from every angle on campus, like anywhere yeah. you stood. And I just couldn't help yep. but compare it to other schools, like to compare it and say like, you know, what's the priority of our education system, mm -hmm. you know? And it seems very clearly that some of our schools put the priority on academics, others put the priority on service, others put the priority on sports, others put the priority on spirituality religion and faith formation and yep. i just found it really striking that he the school and the through the president just sort of like you know doubled down on the spiritual formation of the boys you know by, yeah. by saying this instead of investing in a new football field or in a new science lab or something like that i don't know i was just really struck by that and maybe i'm not coming off as positive as i thought i would but i i like that like i really <laughs> i thought that was yeah. really good yeah yeah well and i think the big thing for me as well is not I mean, yeah, the, the religious and the spiritual statement that it makes is huge. But also you're putting beauty at the center of, of this really important stage of formation for young men hmm. uh, that they're not going to just be looking at, you know, drab prefab buildings all day long, hmm. but they're going to be looking at something beautiful, something unique. 
and something strange something that has a very classical influence mm-hmm. and their new buildings as well have a very similar feel they don't feel like you know so both of us grew up in uh in texas and texas public schools are prisons look like prisons <laughs> <laughs> uh and so they're not getting that and they're getting something totally different mm-hmm. and i think that's huge yeah no I think totally huge. totally um, I guess I w- it was a breath of fresh air to see that a school was willing to invest in that. Um, yeah, I've just been disappointed other in other respects in seeing that when investments don't go in the direction of what's the priority of Jesuit education. And if it's not a relationship with Christ, then what are we doing? Yeah. Um, no, that was cool. That was really cool. So you're an artist. So tell me about the uh, your experience of the artwork inside. You You said that it was good. You liked it. It was very good, yeah. You know, it's I can't remember his name. He's a Spanish artist, I want to say, a painter that did these uh, four four paintings of Jesuit saints. He did one of Our Lady, that's in the in the nave, or whatever that mm-hmm. front part is, mm-hmm. and then one massive image of Saint Ignatius, um, Saint Ignatius's vision of of Jesus holding the cross. Mm. Uh, and the thing that I liked about them is they're, I just don't think that I've seen somebody do so well in mixing a classical approach with a modern look. What does that, what does that mean? Because, well, it's hard to explain. So like, it, it looks like a modern painting. The figures are very, are very modern looking. Um, Miguel Pro, for example, is a very contemporary, um, uh, person. So you're saying like their facial features or like? Yeah, everything. They're just, it feels like it was something that was created recently. Okay. But it doesn't seem, feel like something that was, that will feel like, oh, well, that was created in the late 2010s or whatever. Mm. You know, like a great example is the, is the mosaic or the mosaics in the St. Louis Cathedral Basilica. Mm-hmm. Because you can tell when they were made. Because <laughs> they span like a hundred years, being and they, yeah, front. and the you entire can, ceiling is covered, and you can see the change. And so the front in... part feels like it was made in the seventies, which it was. Yeah, and so all of that is to say that these paintings, I don't think, even though they feel contemporary, they're not going to feel dated in a couple of years. Mm. Yeah, that's speculation, of course, because I can't see the future, but it just feels. Uh, well, well, good. <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, and this is a conversation you and I have had, I guess, a few times before, but I, I still really struggle with the question of like, like, where is the line between, like, how do you know something? Like, does the artist know that what he's making is going to be timeless? Like, is, it's, is this a very odd yeah. phenomenon for me with art? Because it's almost like you don't know it until you see it. Like, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't know good art or bad well, art until I see it. Um, yeah, you know, a part of the problem is that a lot of modern artists, their goal is to be "quote unquote" relevant or provocative. Yeah, and I think that's just a recipe for disaster. You know, one of the things that I think this artist—I can't—I don't know who he is, and I don't know him, uh, but it seems like just from looking at his work, what he's trying to do is to give glory to God. Mm. And I think that's what the past masters were doing they were just expressing themselves in a creative way 
not concerned with being relevant or being timely, um, but just making something beautiful. Hmm. And I think once you separate those two things, then you're actually able to engage in that in that creative act hmm. truly. So if if yeah, this is something interesting. So like if the object of the artist's work is the glory of God, then yeah. almost by by definition, what he does is imbued with something transcendent. Yeah, I mean, you share in that in that goodness, you know. And so, like men and women were created in the image and likeness of God, as Genesis tells us. True. Okay. Well, what happens when you actually explore that and show something beautiful that has not only been created by men and women, but depicts the beauty of creation? Mm -hmm. Well you're showing something that is made in the image and likeness of God. <laughs> right, right, right. Huh. You know, all of this, though, is is fascinating to me, too, because you can't divorce it from technical expertise. So, like, I can't pick up a right. paintbrush and have the intention of painting something that will glorify God and then actually make anything. Like, I, <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't have any skill. So, like, there's a strange <laughs> thing that happens that you you need the almost like the right mixture. It's like a very delicate process. You need the right mixture of, like, human excellence in a craft mixed with like mm -hmm. you know a desire to give glory to god while simultaneously having inspiration to do something yeah. you know beautiful that's a really that's i don't have any idea how that works well again it's being in tune with god's creation right you're you are understanding who you are as a human being as a created being as somebody made in the image and likeness of God and what that actually entails and what that encompasses. You know, I get a lot of, well, we don't have to get into this right now, but um, I get a little frustrated when you hear Christian, a lot of Christians will only say that something is good when it's say explicitly Christian. Oh, right, 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 right. And so we're, we're shutting off 90% <laughs> of of god's creation as being profane hmm. and i just can't i just can't accept that sure sure yeah yeah no, that's good so i would yeah and so we can't we can't we can't separate what i'm what that is trying to say is we can't separate our own ability and our own desire and our own passion mm -hmm. as being something so distinct from what god wants from us because Here's a funny story called That's Literally What God Wants From Us hmm. to explore who we are as, hum as human beings. Mm -hmm. In creation. That's why, yeah. he sent, that's why he sent his son to become one of us. Mm -hmm. To show us how to be that. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. I like that. Um, yeah, those paintings, man. There's just something about them that is so striking. And they're all martyrs, right? All four of them are martyrs. Yeah. Um, yeah. One, one is an Englishman. One is a Mexican. One... It, what was the other two? Uh, Paul Miki and then... Paul Miki. And what was the fourth one? Do you remember? Uh, Isaac Jogues. Oh, Isaac Jogues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have a Frenchman. He was, he was covered. Yeah, you have a Frenchman, <laughs> you have an Englishman, you have a Mexican. Where was Paul Miki from? He's Japanese. Japanese. So you have... That's another thing I didn't really notice until now, is that you have representation from different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's really cool. There's a lot of great intention there. Like, imagine, 
So I think the most beautiful thing about it for me is not like certainly there's beauty in the images, but just imagine the boys in in the chapel, like going through four years, seeing these magnificent paintings of yeah. men who bear the name Jesuit, like they're Jesuits and who gave their life for Christ. And they're just emblazoned yep. on the walls in massive representations. And yep. they went to the extreme and we're not hiding the fact that they bled yep. to their death, you know? Yeah. One of the other things, and we talked about this a bunch, uh, one of the things I really like about the church is that it's it's not complete yet. Oh, that's true. That's true. It's They're leaving room for growth for the future. And I think that's, again, going back to this quest for relevance, you know, we want to make we want to make something complete right now. Mm-hmm. You know, this is our prefab mentality. It's got to roll out of the factory line and be 100% done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where yeah. that's a very, very, very modern understanding huh. of something. Interesting, because the, so the, the chapel is not finished, right? Like, there's a, yeah. a lot left to decorate. Yep, yep. And so that's going to be something that happens over the course of the rest of the existence of that chapel. Hmm. And that's an, an organic, I think, a great example of the organic nature of our church. And if he, ha- if he had constructed with it... With the different people that come in, they they literally emblazoned their own their mark that's cool. as being a part of this. No, that's cool. Something bigger. And if he had made it to be complete, then it would have just become... It's just about him. And it would have been a relic of a certain age that needed to yeah. maybe later be torn down. Huh. Yep. Very cool, man. What else? What else was a highlight of your trip? Anything else? Well, I mean, along these same lines, you know, we had this really great, I think, uh, talk. I think it was a really great talk at our, at our conference along these same lines of, uh, of beauty. Uh, so there are a lot of breakout sessions during this conference. And one of the ones that you and I led was how does beauty turn our hearts and our minds heavenward? Yeah. How do we find hope hmm. in our imaginations? Yeah. Well, because the, the theme of the whole conference was hope, um, you know, in light of all the scandals, in light of all the abuses and all the consp- all the stuff that's happening in the church. Um, we all were very interested in talking about something hopeful. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, not ignoring the problem, but at least saying, where do we find hope in all of this and in yeah. our life? Um, yeah. So I found that our session was, that, yeah, it was good. I mean, the, the premise of it all was to say that artwork, liturgy, music, all of these technical expertise things that we do that give glory to God through the expression of beauty, all of these things can be manifestations of hope or cultivate hope, you know, by turning our eyes towards something beyond ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I, and I th- love that. We, ha- you know, we had, we obviously have opinions on this. We've just talked about them quite a bit. Um, but one of the things that I was trying, and I think we succeeded, was to not really bring all of that, just to try to spark a conversation mm-hmm. to get other people. Because I can yell at people ad nauseum about what I think they should be doing. Mm. <laughs> Jesuits are pretty good at that, apparently. That's right. Uh, but but what I was actually the more interesting conversation is to see if this is actually a thing that other people care about. And, and was- I got the sense that it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the one of the ideas that came out of it that was really great, one of the guys um, who lives in Grand Coteau right now was saying that art has a way of proposing 
like proposing to someone, proposing to the viewer something to consider. Yeah. As an invitation for an encounter. You know, so like when you when you see an image of Edmund Campion, you know, about to be racked, you know, and he's painted on a wall of a chapel in a high school. Well, as a high school kid, I can see that. And what the painting is proposing to me is, you know, is this a good life? Is this a life that has been led well? And then I'm invited to suffering worth it. Yeah. And then I'm invited to take stock of my own life and say, would I be able to do that? And that's awesome. Like there's a proposal that happens when the art encounters you and you encounter the work of art is that it's proposing to you something beyond yourself um, that you might consider experiencing, you know? That maybe yeah. maybe those high school kids in Tampa might see themselves in that painting someday and say, you know what, I want to take up the cross too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you just said something that I think is really important. Someday, again, with our prefab mindset, we we always think, well, is this showing results right now? And mm. if not, let's get rid of it. Mm. But that's not really how God works. <laughs> if we've learned nothing from Scripture, mm. uh, God. And that's our reading for, for this upcoming Sunday, the wedding at Cana. Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. Things happen when they happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if that means that that the inspiration that was sparked in this kid's junior year doesn't manifest until he's in his mid or late 20s, fine. Yeah. That's still worthwhile. <laughs> right, right. And I think we, I think we forget that sometimes. Yeah, totally. Hmm. Well, good. Well, I think we both had a really good break. Um, you know, yeah. family stuff, seeing family, seeing friends. That was a very wonderful experience too. Where did you actually spend Christmas? In Berkeley. Oh, in Berkeley. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, why don't we? Uh, tra- there's some other things we wanted to talk about. So why don't we just transition to some of those things right quick? Yeah. Um, as maybe so you just a uh, class already. I have. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I've That's been in weird. classes for 2 weeks. Um 2 weeks. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the end of the second week of school. Oof. So you're not in school yet. Uh no. For another like month? <laughs> uh two and a half weeks I think. Oh my gosh, are you serious? And why am I doing all this work for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a lot of work to do still. What are you doing? <laughs> so I'm working on I'm working at the parish. Oh, I'm come still on. directing the RCIA program, mm. <laughs> which does work on a different academic schedule. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of work to do, and I'm also trying to get this project off the ground. Um, so the pastor of the parish wants to do this outdoor Stations of the Cross. Oh, cool thing for Lent, and he wants us to create some custom banners for that oh, which is awesome that's nice huh. the hiccup is that he really wants the seventh grade so the parish is attached to a school he really wants the seventh grade graders to be involved in the creation of these <laughs> which means that i'm on a very prolonged and slow schedule sure sure which is great it'll be great i just got done talking about inspiring children (laughs) you know you can't diminish that that's right so for when you're under the gun it's like i i really just want to get this done right 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 (laughs) and i could do it in a weekend so for all of our tens of listeners just some context as to why i was frustrated that jonathan is making me do all this work um 
so <laughs> what I was alluding to is that Jonathan and I, one of the reasons that we were gone for so long is because we have some things in the works. Isn't that right, Jonathan? Ooh. Well, yes, it is. So we got some things in the works. How far do you want to go with this? Well, I don't want to go too far into it, but <laughs> let's just say that the the vision is expanding in terms of your and my presence online via podcasting. Yeah. Um, and I think this this was one of the fruits that was born out of our conference in Louisiana is that there are other Jesuits who want to get involved in podcasting as well. Yeah. Um, and so you and I have been developing, you know, in collaboration with other Jesuits, what this could look like in the future if the other things became something more than what it currently is right now. Um, anyway, so it was just sort of tongue-in-cheek way of saying Jonathan has got me doing work on that when <laughs> I have five other classes that I should <laughs> yeah. need to be working on. Well, small price to pay. I know, I know, I know. Can I tell you about my favorite class right now? Yeah, please. Well, there's two. Um, I'm taking five, but two of them are particularly great. Um, one of them is I'm taking a class on presiding. So I'm getting a nice. chance to preside at fake liturgies. What? Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. So we had our first practicum on Monday and I vested completely for mass as a priest. Um, how do you feel? Great. You know, you and I had done it once this past summer. And so it wasn't the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't as sort of like awe moment as it was then. Um, but it was, it was beautiful. And, you know, I, I sent you a video of it and I sent my mom a video of it and my mom responded and she was like, Oh my God, you're a natural. And (laughs) (laughs) moms have to say that. Okay. No, she was noticing (laughs) that I actually am a natural. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, so that's really good. But then my other class that I don't really want to get into just because it's way too complicated to describe what it's about but it's um <laughs> okay well it's just, it's it's weird but i i i'll just tell you what the class's name is so it's a it's a seminar there's only like five of us in the room and the class is called albert the great comma meister <laughs> eckhart comma and women's mysticism oh and fun. Yeah, yeah 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 and the basic <clears throat> so i didn't know anything about this going into it but the basic idea of the class is tracing the roots of Western mysticism uh, from uh, late antiquity through the Middle Ages uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. up until nice. the Renaissance. Um, and you took a class on mystics. Didn't you take a class on like mystics before? Long time ago. Uh, yeah. Are you using the, uh, I'm looking at it right now, the Egan book, An Anthology of Christian Mysticism? I am not, but I should totally buy that because <laughs> I'm it's a, good. I'm a, I, I mean, I've kept it for years. Yeah, I should get it because I'm a little bit at a loss in this class. We're mostly focusing on primary texts uh, from Albert the Great and Meister Eckhart. Um, uh-huh. But no, it's been really cool. And I think the reason that this is important to me is because I have hopes of maybe getting into spiritual theology next year um more yeah. intently so this is sort of laying the groundwork for that nice nice you're still feeling good about that i am i am i gotta start applying to some programs um and seeing where that goes very cool yeah man but you're feeling good about you're finishing this semester huh yeah i'll be done with my i'll be done with my mdiv in may with you we're finishing together <sighs> I still can't believe that. So <laughs> but I'm not going to be a priest this summer like you are. That's true. 
That's true. Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling approaching ordination? Bro, really good. So I had some really good conversations with the provincial and the formation assistant over the our conference. Mm-hmm. And really just kind of set the stage for a level of joy and excitement that I hadn't felt up until then. Really? And so, yeah, I've been kind of riding that wave. Uh, it's great. I'm super excited. And, you know, honestly, a lot of our conversations about um, the future of our podcast and some of our other side projects have only enhanced that, uh, made that wave bigger. Mm. Just because it, I really feel a call to this. Uh, to the priesthood. And I think that this is to the priesthood, but also to be a presence in the podcasting world. Mm-hmm. I just think it's it's literally a part of our Jesuit vocation that we're not exploring at the moment. Right. So it it feels very exciting and very Jesuit to be to be doing this, mm-hmm. and very priestly mm-hmm. uh, to be able to do that. So, what would you say uh, is yeah. the the one thing you're looking forward to most about your ordination? About the ordination itself? No, about being, being ordained. Done. <laughs> no, yeah, but about being a priest. Uh. I would say, you know, I'm really looking forward to hearing confessions. I think that's what a lot of people say. Mm. Uh, and I always kind of scoffed at that. It's like, oh, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. But especially after doing the practicum last year, the confession class, and like thinking about the fact that I'll be able to do that in a, in a couple of months, I'm really, really excited about that. Yeah. No, that's going to be awesome. I think you'll uh, make a good confessor. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And then, uh, uh yeah, that's saying masses one. and things, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be great. I've already, I just had a, another baptism scheduled for a couple of weeks. Hmm. So I've already been doing a few of the sacraments here and there, which is awesome. But then, like, being able to do a mass on top of those, the idea of that mm-hmm. is really cool. So, like, Doing sacraments as a deacon is cool. I was just talking to somebody about a wedding that I might be doing. Oh, nice. As a deacon or uh, as a priest? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's always an awkward thing. Like, I have to go back and say, I would love to do it, but you realize I can't, it won't be at a mass because mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't do that. Right. It'll just it's, be. So it's kind of an awkward thing. Yeah. Which is fine. And a lot of, some people want that. But. It's always something to consider, I guess, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I won't have to consider in a couple of months. So one thing I'm looking forward to with your ordination is that I'll get to be a deacon at it. Yeah, that's right. So could... not only at the ordination, but at the first mass. Oh, is this Which you inviting me to be yeah, a deacon you, at your first mass? Volu- you've just been voluntold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this whole time I've just assumed that you would never ask me. <laughs> And you just assume that you'll be there. Yeah, I just assume that I would be there. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. Have you uh, started thinking about your first mass? How that's going to go? Not, not really. I've thought about some possible people that I'll ask to be altar servers and things. Are you going to preach um, your first mass? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really like that practice of not doing that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, as the deacon at the mass, as the deacon at the mass, I won't be allowed to preach. Hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I'll preach at a daily mass or something the next day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
preach? No, no, no. You can preach. You can preach. I, th- I agree with you. There's something much better about the man who's just been recently ordained to be. I mean, I just imagine my family being there wanting to hear me preach, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, so when I was ordained a deacon, um, the practice at my parish is that you've got one preacher for the entire weekend. Uh, and so since I wasn't going to be able to be on the schedule for that day, that Saturday, it didn't, it didn't work out for me to preach the next day. Oh no. So my first day as a deacon, I didn't preach. Um, we, and my entire family was there. Not my entire family. My dad was there. Uh, some friends were there. It's like, okay, yeah, you just seeing me. <laughs> and it was funny. There was a, a visiting priest, a visiting preacher who decided he was going to read the gospel as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't do anything. <laughs> so I didn't even do that on my first day as a deacon. <laughs> That's great. That's great. No, I have a parish here in Toronto that I've been going to um, every week. And the pastor's already given me permission to, to preach the mass the day after the ordination. And it'll nice. be, it'll be nice. great. Yeah. Um, which is in May. Are you going to come? Uh, in May? No. <laughs> what day? May the 11th, Mother's Day weekend. May the 11th. Well, I might be able to make it. That's right around comps, though, so maybe not. <sighs> fine, fine. I'll come to your ordination. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. Were <laughs> you at my diaconate ordination? No, you're not. I was there in spirit. <laughs> so um, I think we had one one other topic we wanted to touch on today that mm. um, was pretty big. That So let's just jump been to... waiting a long time to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you introduce this topic? So, for those of you out there, listeners, who don't know, you should know. There was a movie that came out recently. Mm-hmm. A Spider-Man movie. Yeah, but not your typical Spider-Man movie. No. Something better. Yeah, it was very unique. And to <laughs> quote my brother, to quote my brother, he called it the best Spider-Man movie ever made. I am kind of agreeing with that. Really? Yeah. Wow. So so the movie was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. Animated. Good. Thank you for not saying cartoon. <laughs> no, it's animated. <laughs> People keep saying cartoon. It's like, no, it's not a it's not a cartoon. Not it's not Saturday morning Tom and Jerry. It's not what it is. Yeah. So so okay, spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen it and desire to see it, you should probably stop the podcast now. But come back <laughs> and listen to what we have to say about it. Mm-hmm. Don't just abandon us entirely. Like we abandoned you for two months. That's right. (laughs) Uh, So, so here's your chance. Spoiler, (laughs) spoilers will commence beginning now. Now, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I what I loved about this movie. So, and I've said this before. The further we can get from the Marvel extended cinematic universe, Mm -hmm. the better. Yeah, I just I'm having a hard time caring about any of that stuff these days. Right. And so the fact that this is its own thing, I love. Yeah, I agree. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to see 11 movies before this to understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could just go see a great Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and know that it was just going to be that, a great Spider-Man movie. Totally, totally. You know, so the it was a Sony movie. So all of the Sony movies were like that, you know. What do you mean? So all of the, oh right 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 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. All, all of the, the spi- well all the Spider Man yeah up all, until all the Spider Man yeah all the Spider Man movies were independent of the MCU yeah so but they were not great I mean by comparison certainly they were not great 
I think, I mean, I, I do like the original trilogy with whatever that guy's name was, uh, Toby Maguire. I was never a fan of Toby. Oh, uh, he was excellent. Excellent Peter Parker. Ugh. Um, Ugh. but no, by comparison, it's like, this was just so good. So good. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, man, I've seen it three times. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, because I saw it, I saw it in Houston with my dad. Uh, uh-huh. and then while in Houston also, my brother wanted to see it and he couldn't go with me and my dad. So instead we went with him and his wife and his kids. And uh-huh. so I saw it with them too. And then later when I got back to Toronto, there was two guys who had not seen it yet. And I was like, dude, I'll go watch it with you again. <laughs> nice. I could, I could already so, imagine myself buying this movie and having it. Yeah. Oh, totally. So, okay. So you're, why don't you lead this conversation since you've seen it twice as many times as I have? Well, uh, not twice as many, was, Jonathan. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Math. So, okay. Uh, so, let's talk about the movie. So, we know what the plot is. The plot is very clear. I must say, I thought that the the storytelling was uh-huh. really Top good. Notch. Top notch. Yeah. Like, the, the going back and forth, back and forth with like, all right, let's do this one more time. You know, I was yeah. bitten by Radioactive Spider. Because it was playing on the theme that we already know, but was right. expressing it in a very, like, Okay, we're going to do this one more time. Okay, we're So they were kind of acknowledging that yeah. this story is a repeated yeah. story. Yeah, and I thought I think that's a great way to to do a story about multiple versions of the same character. Mhm. Because that can get very convoluted very quickly. Mhm. And I th- I think if nothing else then that's that is one of the great things that this movie did expertly was they did not make these different versions convoluted. Yeah, they made them the same. And it was clear that you were just stacking comic books on top of each other. Like, it's like, yeah. here's another one. Here's another one. And they're all the same story told from the point of view of a different character. Um, I just thought that was genius. What else did you like about it? So I also really liked um, the... Well, I'm going to let you talk about the style of the movie. Um because I liked uh-huh. it, but I don't have anything to say about it. Um, <laughs> one thing I go ahead. No, no, no go ahead. I was gonna say one thing that I really liked. Um, apart from that, I there was a few moments in the movie where I really got emotional. Where I was, I was like, yeah, I was like his relationship to Peter Parker, his relationship to his father, uh-huh. his relationship uh-huh. to his uncle, all his relationship to his mother, yeah. even frankly, like. She was a Puerto Rican speaking Spanish to her son. I mean, like, this was a lot of it was pulling on heartstrings for me. Um, yeah. But there was just a genuine sense of the father loving his son, the son aspiring to be, you know, good enough for his father, but emulating his uncle and then finally finding a mentor in Peter Parker. Like, just real relationships that mattered for a young yeah. boy trying to become a man. Yeah. You know, and there's like, it's become a meme on Reddit, right? The scene where, uh, Spider-Man is kneeling and thinking, and then you have Peter, you have, uh, you have Miles Morales. Have you seen this, this meme? No. So they've turned it into a meme where you have, there was a scene right before they infiltrated the, the lab, and you had uh-huh. Peter Parker kneeling in the snow, thinking, and his hand is on his chin in full getup. And then you have Miles Morales in the, in the costume. And he's just kneeling next to him, looking up at him. And it's a very striking image because everyone has turned it into a meme of like something that's really mature and then someone who's aspiring to be that. Uh-huh. Um, oh, cool. 
And it's I just find it really powerful. So I felt like the way they did Miles's relationships was very striking, very moving. Yeah. How about you? Well, they're yeah, they were showing I think a genuine character development and growth and desire to grow. Mm-hmm. Like he's really struggling with uh who to emulate, who to who to look up to, and he's getting some bad influences. Mm. Um Yeah, I thought it I thought I thought it was done very well as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh the style thing is an interesting one. I thought I had gone into the wrong theater at first. Oh, yeah? Because it looked like it was supposed to be in 3D. Mm-hmm. Only parts of it, though. So, like... And it's an interesting way that they played with with uh, depth of field. So the things that are supposed to be out of focus, that's kind of how they made them out of focus. By making them look a little 3D. Sure, sure. Which I guess is how 3D movies work, now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe if you had 3D uh, glasses on, those those background it scenes... It could have been, yeah. Maybe. Uh, but then they kept going back and forth, and so I, it took me a little while to realize. But but then I kind of... You know, I didn't like it at first, that it was kind of... Because 3D movies typically give me a really bad headache. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started to like it after a while. And I think the thing that I liked about it was that Again, it was doing something new, something different. It mm. was really showing that this isn't just a cartoon, mm-hmm. to go back to your comment earlier. Mm-hmm. That this is, yeah, okay, there's a lot of digital animation going on. Um, but really, it's not just about we're going to make a Pixar movie or we're going to make an animated movie. We're just going to make something cool right? and use some fun techniques. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, they use some things that look very comic book. Oh my god! Something, some things that looked very digital. Some things that looked, you know. So they changed it up. I think perfectly, just to showcase the fact that. And I, I mentioned this to you before a couple of days ago. I just think this is the perfect medium for for a comic book to be animated, hmm. to be filmed. Hmm. Say more. Why do you say that? Like, like comic book movies. I mean, we've all kind of been inundated by them the last decade. Um, mm-hmm. And they've, you know, one of my favorites is The Shadow, which was 90, 1994. So they've gone back for a long time, comic book movies, mm-hmm. into the 70s and 80s. Uh, but they're always, you know, you have to play this weird line between is it going to be super campy or are you going to take uh, the 89 Batman approach or and then you had the Christopher Nolan approach, which kind of changed it all over again. You know, you, you've got to be either super realistic or super cheesy. Yeah, that's right. Those are your two options. Like, there's not a good in-between. And we've tried them, and they just don't work very well. And I think that's been the downfall of most comic book movies in the past, is that they try to be, like, just a regular thing. But you really can't be. And I... All, again, all that is to say is I think that the animated world suits comic book movies better. Totally. I also, I mean, in that in that vein, they were super explicit about it being a living comic book. Right? There was there was dialogue boxes everywhere. You know, there was yeah. Um, you know, there were literal comic books that were being thrown on the table when the story was evolving, and like you were zooming in and out of panels. Um, I just thought that was really well done, and honestly, I think the marketing strategy is brilliant because I really wanted to read. Those comic books now. Yeah, you know? yeah, same. I'd never read the Spider-Verse comic books. I knew about Spider-Man Noir, hashtag Nick Cage forever. Uh, 
but I have never, and he's, I think he's only been in like an issue of Spider-Man of the Spider-Verse thing. Mm. Uh, but I, yeah, I've, I have a great desire to go back and, and, and read into that. Yeah. So one other, one other detail that is not insignificant, but I think is worth mentioning for sure. Um, and it's a little bit, it's a little bit controversial, I guess, but I, I did appreciate also that the way they did the diversity in this movie was not at the expense of the white male. Um, uh-huh. That I think it's very tempting for movies that try to push in the diversity direction that, which this movie clearly did, right? The, the main character was half black, half Puerto Rican, and then you have a, you know, a spider woman, uh, yeah. and you have a Japanese, and then you have all this kind of stuff going on. Um, but it wasn't a, pig. a say what? A pig. You had a pig. That's true. And not, but none of it, <laughs> none of it was at the expense of having a strong Peter Parker as well. You know that. Yeah. 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 That you can have a white male who is also a part of the team. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like there's sometimes a tendency of saying yeah. diversity at the expense of the white male. Yeah. And, you know, I would even broaden that to say that it's not just that, but there's also, you know, Bishop Barron has talked about the Homer Simpson effect that we've seen in a lot of male characters, whatever their race mm. in in media, that they're just kind of idiots. Mm. Bum- yeah, bumbling idiots. Uh, and I thought, yeah, I thought they did Peter Parker extremely well in showing that, no, he's struggling and he's kind of a goofball. Okay. But that doesn't mean you have to be just an idiot that happens, you know, to accidentally find himself to be a hero and, you know, all that. Yeah. Well, so, so like showing him to be a, a good character. Right, 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 and right. And he went through a lot of growth as well, not just Miles. Yeah, totally. And I mean, they did give us two Peter Parkers and one of them was a really good man character and you know ended up dying in in the heat of like in in the process of saving the world so check mark there but then the one that we yeah. got to see for the majority of the movie was someone who we know he had a full career where he was a good man but then he was afraid and he didn't he lost his he lost his wife because of it um right and so he's broken too but then he finds healing through you know through time and through friendship um yeah I don't know. It's just so well done. Yeah. You know, this is not to diminish any of that, but one of the things, and Spider-Man particularly has always been very good about this. This is also one of the drawbacks that makes it a little confusing to try to read Spider-Man comic books. There's so many versions. You've mm-hmm. got like Ben Bailey, whoever the guy was that I think it was Ben Bailey that did Scarlet Spider. Mm-hmm. You've got Spider-Man 2099, which was that epic, uh, Cutscene, <laughs> yeah, amazing. Uh, oh, I forgot about that. That was so cool. But anyway, you've got all of you've. We've always had these different versions that have always been mm-hmm. able to kind of stand on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, it's kind of tempting to say, "Oh, look at what Spider-Man into the Spider Verse is doing by bringing in diversity into the comic books, into the movies." It's like, well, kind of. I mean, they're highlighting them to be sure they're making a movie about all of this right but that's been a part of spider-man for a really long time and i'm glad that they're finally showing that it's not just your vanilla this is why i didn't like toby mcguire he was just kind of plain mm. yeah yeah no that's a really good point like i i really love seeing spider gwen for me she was one of the 
one of the exciting characters that was new in the comic books that was, I don't know, just a really wonderful addition. Yeah, to she's the only a couple of years old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was part of the uh, the Marvel convergence thing that happened. The Marvel Convergence. Yeah, well, I don't know what it's called. It was so they had their secret. Oh, it was Secret Wars, and Secret Wars ended. Oh right, right. And then after Secret Wars, they had a that was the Infinite Crisis, and then that they led to a conversion. It was like a there was like a new forty two thing that happened where it was like, yeah, what was it called? It was like Marvel News. I, I don't know. You're using all these DC things though. Fifty two, not forty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, well, for, so I keep thinking forty two because in. In Spider Verse, they had the number forty two in the whole movie uh, multiple okay. times. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but you know what I'm saying. Like all of those things happened yeah, in yeah, the Marvel yeah. universe, and I think yeah. Spider Gwen came out of that. Yeah. Ah, oh, so good. I would totally watch this movie again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah, that might be. I mean, I don't think it'll take the place of BBS's movies that I watch all the time. Yeah, but I would certainly I would consider buying it for sure. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, so I, I mean, I tweeted out that I think it was the best movie of 2018. Mm. I would best even say it was better. I would even say it was better than Aquaman. Yeah. What did you I, think of Aquaman? I loved Aquaman. I thought Aquaman was so good. Um, yeah. I did not think it was as good as Spider-Man, but I thought it was really good. Now, here's one thing that I'll say though that, about Aquaman. I would love to watch it again, but I, I think that part of the success of the movie um hinged on the fact that no one expected it to be good. Well, and that's this is my this is my hypothesis that I've talked about before, my B-list hypothesis. Um not only did nobody expect it to be a good movie, but you people don't have the same investment in a character like Aquaman as they do in Superman. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not a fan of the comic books. Uh you know, I'm, I have been a big, as you know, a big Aquaman fan for a really long time. Um, mm-hmm. so I was kind of expecting a lot because he's, he's an awesome character. At any rate, this, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I attribute this to the success of the Mar- all of the Marvel movies. They're all B-list characters before those movies. And that's the perfect character to, to showcase. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. the reason why yeah. the X-Men movies were so terrible. Is because they tried to do something creative, but you can't screw with Wolverine like that. Just like you can't screw with Batman or Superman. But Aquaman, you eh, know, whatever. Let's right, do it one right. Way. Yeah, yeah. So ha- having the B-list characters at the forefront makes makes these movies somehow better than having the A-list characters. Yeah, and I think this also ties into one of the other things that I wanted to say about creativity. You know. I was looking at Fandango this, uh, this morning, the app, and just scrolling through the upcoming releases. And they're all sequels. Literally everything is a third or a fourth, or in the case of Captain Marvel, and it, what is it, 20th? Uh, right, right. Everything is a sequel. Like we're not, and, or a sequel or a remake. There's a right. Dumbo movie, The Lion King is coming back out. Aladdin. Like, yeah. And I think when you do another Superman movie or another X-Men movie, you have the same kind of reaction. Oh, we're doing this again. Whereas with, you know, if we did, uh, well, the Shazam movie, I think, is going to surprise a lot of people for this very reason. 
just like the Aquaman movie did. Because you can be like, okay, well, that's weird. Well, let's see what it is. Mm-hmm. And just you're, there's a little bit more freedom to be creative, I think. Totally, totally. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to Shazam. I think it'll be really good. Yeah, it's going to be goofy, but you know what? He's a teenager trapped in the body of literally Superman, magical Superman. And mm-hmm. so it's going to be goofy. Mm-hmm. That's part of the character. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully people recognize that. They didn't really get it with the Green Lantern movie. Uh, oh, did I tell yeah. you that I saw it for the first time? No. I saw it for the first time you think? the night that I saw Aquaman. I saw Aquaman really? in the afternoon and then <laughs> I, I came home and saw... Because the guy that I was watching it with really wanted me to see it because he likes it a lot. And we saw uh-huh. it and I loved it. Yeah. Well, I don't dislike the movie. I've only seen it once. But I I can, you know, a lot of the people when it came out were criticizing the suit. <laughs> like it looks super CG. Well, isn't it supposed to be? And it's like, <laughs> it's literally made out of light. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's supposed to be. Yeah. yeah overly yeah. CG. <laughs> no, I thought it so was hopefully really good. that kind of thing happens. It doesn't happen with Shazam. Sure, sure. Like he's supposed to be over the top, kind of goofy. <laughs> yeah, I think right. it'll be good. It'll be really good. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to cut our conversation short, and we're gonna have to probably stop there. Um, yeah, but I would like to pick up with a conversation uh, next week on creativity again because there's something here about yeah. like when all we're left with is repeating stories over and over again. What's the difference between yep. that and there's only one story? Like. When, yeah. you know, because we do say that there is only one story and that's a good thing, but then we also say there's a lack of creativity because you often yeah. say yeah. things like, well, there's a lot. you often say things like the, the view of the modern is to always want to be original, but you're also yeah. bemoaning when everything is just the same. Yep. So yep. why don't we pick that up next time? Great. Sounds good, bro. All right, cool, man. We'll be back on our schedule then. All right. Cheers. All right, dude. Peace. Peace.